Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Traxler and Carolyn Ford to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, I'm Carolyn Ford. Welcome to To The Point. And I'm here with Eric Trexler. Hi, Eric. Hi, Carolyn. I'm not ready yet. You're no, I'm ready. just kidding. Let's go. You're ready because Dave is here. Dave is back. Dave, Dave welcome is back. back. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's good. It's good to be back. I'm always reminded, uh, given the time zone difference, that um, that I always feel like I'm encroaching on your cocktail hour there on the East Coast. You know, I'm just getting my day started after the holidays, and it's Monday, and you know, I'm uh, raring to go. I had two coffees already, but uh, you, you guys are already looking at happy hours. So, um, Caroline, I think that's a comment about you because I don't drink. <laughs> oh, there you go. I'm in Utah. It's, it's midday. Okay, it's getting close. It's only one o'clock with you, Caroline. <laughs> it's only one o'clock. That's right. So, Dave, well, first of all, welcome back. Like I said, we have Dave, your CIO for the Navy. Will you just talk about, remind our listeners. Hold on, Nick, um, Nick Tam's pack. Yeah, that's, that's right. I, I was yeah. just going to ask you to remind our listeners what you do exactly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure you could give me uh, Mr. Aaron Weiss's job. He he is the CIO for the Navy, and and what a superstar of a CIO uh, he is. Um, you know, uh, the prospect of moving back to the Pentagon or Crystal City or wherever that is, and having that range of responsibilities. I'm. I'm uh, what's that phrase? I think it was from a Clint Eastwood movie. A man's got to know his limitations. So uh, good you know on Aaron what? for doing. Otherwise it. known as, I just love living on the beach. And your one-liners, I listen. So, so we had you in April to talk about the crisis CIO, and there were so many good one-liners. I mean, you are so quotable. So, this is going to be another really good (laughs) Uh episode. You're setting the bar too high, Carolyn. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things that you mentioned when we were speaking before is that um, we're really we're eight months into this thing now. And we've we've left the sprint mode and and we're into this marathon mode. And one of the things that you talked about back in April, um, that you felt like you were the chief resilience officer now and that your number one concern was your people. So first, how are you doing? How are your people doing? Yeah, so. um, So uh, marathon, indeed, I mean, who uh, who could I, I think I also mentioned in those earlier discussions we had of um, uh, either failures of imagination or blind spots when it came to imagining mm-hmm. imagining what the future would look like and you know this 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 is an ever evolving sort of epiphany that that we've had a failure of ima- imagination and not 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 in a good way right the notion that this would turn into a marathon turn into a really long drawn out process if you can call it a process, this, this sort of continual discovery of just how bad a thing can be. Um, yeah. And especially, you know, so, just coming off of Thanksgiving weekend, I mean, we're all fatigued with this. Yeah. You guys have got to be more so even than many, just with all of, the, I, I think with all of the um, extra stipulations that you guys have to deal with. You're saying the military, Carolyn? The military. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, and we're and we're not that you know we're not that much different than than other 
other significant, you know, mission essential segments of our economy and our, our nation, our culture, our world. So, so, um, you know, the, uh, there's an idea in marathons of kind of hitting stride, right? Yeah. And you sort of, you know what the thing is going to be because you've sort of trained for it. You count yourself as pretty resilient, pretty tough, but there's this, this notion of hitting stride and overcoming, um, overcoming pain, overcoming, you know, sort of the fatigue. So, so there's some real good analogies there that, that we're, um, we're dealing with the pain, the fatigue, you know, and we're, we're trying to dig deep within ourselves and, and continue to continue to stay on pace and stay in stride, uh, knowing that the race is essential. Right. So, so, so I think, I think that's really key. Those kind of first foundational principles that you train on, you acculturate, you, you build them into your traditions. Um, you, you know, you try to recruit and hire people and develop people to, to have that kind of strength, resilience, you know, fortitude, and also a bit of uh, humility thrown in that you, you, you don't, you don't quite know how, how bad it's going to get. Right. So, so. Um, well, so you know, stay, that's one of the things, home. as you said that Dave, I was thinking about with the marathon, you said, you know what you're in for, you know, that it's yeah. 26 point. Well, and miles, you train, right? And you train for it. You train for that, right? The way you're talking about this kind of reminds me, not that I've been through it, but more like buds where you don't know what you're in for necessarily. Like it's such a psychological mind. um, Not going to use that word, but you know what I'm saying here? (laughs) Well, I I think that's a big part of COVID, Carolyn. I mean, you don't know what's coming next. You know roughly, but... We've never been through this. I was reading an article this morning that due to the advent, you know, the advances in public health in, in the developed world, this is the first generation ever who isn't prepared for pandemics like this, who really have no idea. I mean, all of our predecessors have, have faced massive death with the flus and the plague and things like that. But you don't know what's coming next. We don't know how long this will be. It's tough. So we're, we're in our stride. I think is what you're saying, Dave, but we don't know when the race ends. Yeah. And this, this comes back to the people, right? Carolyn, your, your question was, you know, how are we doing? What about the people? Um, so, so I think there's, um, you know, there's real value uh, and a lot of learning in, in observing how, how, how people and cultures uh, operating institutions, how they, how they kind of respond to adversity. Right. And, and, and look, I, I, you know, you, you, if you look back in history, as Eric points out, you know, you, you can be philosophical and say, well, it could be worse. Right. Could have been doubled up with, uh, you know, uh, war and a war, yeah. pestilence and, and all kinds of other things, you know, that sort of go with it. Right. So there have been there have been times in our history as a people where we've had to prove a lot more resilience and a lot more courage and a lot more uh, strength. Uh, than this. So putting all that in perspective, I think is important. But with respect to our teams, um, we've learned a lot about ourselves. We've uh, we've learned a lot about the team culture, right? So I said in our last conversations, things like failure is not an option, right? Our missions are all critical. We have to execute them. We are actually hitting stride uh, in the sense that we're uh, we've learned a lot and are adapting to new routines. We've figured out how to host visitors that are essential for you know, maintenance, systems engineering visits, installation visits, uh, things that are really critical business that have to carry on. 
We've learned how to protect our critical watches, right? The 24-7 operations and maintenance crews. We've learned how to do that. We've had really remarkably good success when we look at the numbers around us of COVID cases and so forth, even on Navy ships and so forth. We have, you know, knock on wood, right? We, we have we have not been subjected to or unlucky enough to have had a significant breakout, right? We've been very careful with our protocols. Uh, we haven't gotten um, complacent or lazy. Uh, it's, it's been as intense and focused as it was from day one. And it's still that way today uh, because there's a, there's a deep understanding of the criticality of our mission. So that part is good. You know, the where I get concerned and, and you know, we've taken some steps to reach out to people and really do some measurement and some gauging, you know, through the sorts of questions on command climate surveys and so forth is how are people doing? How are they holding up? Right. Um, and this gets to that article I cited, um, you know, in our email exchange about, you know, are you falling into the trap of, um, you know, in this crisis mentality of feeling like you have to be always on, always mm -hmm. present, always on the job, that you have to right. you know, raise the standards beyond any expectation or any reasonable, you know, sort of level. Um, and, and you worry about people collapsing under the weight of that, uh, you know, overworking themselves, right? The article was uh, The Presence Prison by, by uh, uh, Jason Fried, I think is how he pronounced his name, F-R-I-E-D. He, he wrote that article back in 2017. And if you think about how prescient that was, I don't know that he ever would have predicted a global pandemic, but he was referring more to the phenomenon of ubiquitous you know, IP technologies that allow full-featured collaboration and presence all the time, and it's creating this this kind of new standard of, of being always on, always in the moment, always on the job, always responsive, um, being a you know captive or slave to the green dot, right? Uh, being always available and reachable, uh, no matter what the priority of the issue might be. And it was a prescient article back in 2017. Um, I used it some weeks ago in a correspondence to our extended team across NICTAMS to say, hey, you know, guard yourself against this presence prison. Um, you, you know, uh, you want to be as uh, rigorous and complete about work-life balance and having a complete, you know, approach to your life uh, because this is a marathon and we need you and the missions are critical. And we're and we're concerned about it, right? Mental health, um, happiness, life balance, physical health, uh, setting unreasonable standards uh, for yourself or for your people. Those are things to be really guarded against. I must feel it's an unknown distance run, mm -hmm. right? We're running, and you've got to keep yourself going, not knowing when it's going to end. Well, and that's why I kind of compared it to Navy SEALs, the Buds program, right? Because right. It, they don't know what's coming. You, you what's... keep performing. Mm -hmm. You don't quit and you don't get hurt. Right. And right. you just keep, you just keep digging. And that's almost what we're doing here, except, you know, it's the entire workforce. So, so Dave, how, how are your people handling it? Yeah, what's, so... what's the number, what's, what's the number one thing you would do if you had a magic wand to help them? Um, so, you know, that's, that's an interesting question uh, because, you know, people, um, 
I think people, a lot, a lot of folks, especially in our culture, the military culture. Um, uh, I, I used I used a phrase in in the recent correspondence with my team, um, something to the effect of, "Please don't uh, suffer in silence." Right? If you're if if you're uh, if your mental well being, your attitude about about work or, or just your, your overall demeanor and happiness level and level of satisfaction with your life. If, if it's really in trouble, if, if you have, you're hopeless or you have a sense of doom and gloom and so forth, and it's pervading into the different parts of your life, um, you know, the, the ask, you know, the question or the, the request I made to my team is don't suffer in silence. Um, you know, talk to somebody about it. I mean, for goodness sake, come talk to me about it or talk to another leader or mentor or advisor that you trust um, and sort of talk it out and air it out a little bit and seek seek advice, seek examples. Um, some people can get to a level where you, you really want to think about, you know, some level of formal counseling. So 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 I'm a, I'm a big fan in life of um, mentors and mentorship. And, and it's not just a work thing. It, it's a life thing. And and I think it's it can be anathema to the military culture where people people you know sort of regard themselves as warriors. Maybe they were warriors and then they retire and they become civilians, or they still are warriors. Um, so so they they pride themselves on stoicism and courage and you know taking yeah. the pain and muscling through. Right? There's a whole culture for that. And Carolyn, I know you you must be very familiar with with the special operations community. Um, it's, you know, the, the whole traditional cultural foundation of special operations is, uh, is that, uh, silent, stoic, you know, tough, resilient warrior. So, you know, and this, this is how, this is how, this is how military folks end up with, with, um, you know, uh, PTS and, um, uh, and, and, and with other mental problems, you know, when they leave the service, right. Cause they hold too much in, uh, they do suffer in silence. Uh, it's it's viewed as um, uh, perhaps less than courageous or less than honorable to go seek help, seek advice, or to admit failure. So your question was, what would I what would I want to do to help people? Number one is is make sure they know they're part of a team. They're sort of part of a professional family. Um, their leaders and supervisors and peers care about them. Um, they should not suffer in silence if they are suffering. And there is mentorship and sort of life coaching, life, you know, life counseling type help to be found. Some of it formal, some of it informal. And the military is great at that. I mean, the military really does a good job. Yeah. So, so ask for help, you know, don't suffer in silence, reach out, but ask for help, ask somebody for help. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so we've, we've communicated that message to, 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 to everybody across the deck plates of Nick Tam's pack and our extended um, telecommunications and IT enterprise. I don't want to overplay this by the way. I mean, um, we're among the most fortunate, you know, I look out in, and you guys, I'm sure see the same thing in, in areas where, where you travel and where you live. Um, You know, military intelligence community, DOD government, whatever we have jobs. We're still getting paid. Yeah. Uh, our missions are viewed as critical, so I don't want to kind of overplay this, but but there is there is a fatigue and a burnout that's making its way in of, of trying to trying to execute these critical missions, make it all look normal when there's really nothing normal about it. And um, 
I, I think I think really really attentive in tune leaders really need to pay attention to people and, and constantly ask and probe and find out how are they doing and see see how you know offering an encouraging word uh, some advice to be heated uh, some ideas to read about um, just a, a kind of a you know a sounding board to talk to and, and, a, and a culture that says it's okay to be fatigued it's okay to be a little depressed and, and perhaps lack a little bit of hope but uh, but you're part of a bigger team and their folks can reach out and sort of boost your spirits get some spring back in your step so that's that's what I'd want to do for everybody is is is, is make sure they're not suffering in silence and sort of having their own personal collapse in the middle of a you know a global crisis so you mentioned the idea of coming into this not normal mm-hmm. <laughs> operating um, environment. And one of the things that you mentioned back in April is that you thought by now we would be, the government being we, would be a lot more tolerant and the military specifically of bring your own device, choose your own device, and that we would yeah. be you know, talking about it and allowing it more. Is that Have you seen that? Yeah, so um, what's that old phrase? You know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So, so there have been some uh, some minor moves, you know, since the stand-up of this uh, this uh, kind of free and open, they call IL two impact level two collaboration enterprise across the DoD, right? Really I, dealing I, with low sensitive data. Yeah. So so and and yeah. I, I, I would I would hardly suggest that. You know that our senior officials are sort of cutting corners or playing loose here, but they're, they're, again, necessity has been the mother of invention. There have been things we've had to do in order to continue the missions, uh, the operations, the business of, of the DoD, um, and they've had to make some accommodations, even some compromises. And I don't mean compromise in the sense of classified information, but you know, when you when you turn you know more than a million people loose with their own uh, mobile devices, cell phones, laptops, what have you, and you plug them into a common DoD collaboration enterprise, you're taking some risks. They've they've tried to tighten up tighten up the hatches, you know, batten down the hatches in a couple of areas where where they have found those risks to be more concerning. But but we're we're kind of we're sort of flying on the seat of our pants here a little bit with with this enterprise, and and uh, my understanding is we will do so until next summer, and then then the larger DoD and the combatant commands and the military departments are are all going to map themselves into a, a much more seriously governed, tightly managed, monitored, orchestrated set of enterprise capabilities. It'll still be the same roughly the same feature set that the whole CBR teams thing has brought to us, but they're going to have to figure out how to accommodate either a bring your own device or choose your own device or some, some type of provisioned mobile device framework that is governed as part of the larger IL five and above, right? Impact level five and above. So that's, that's the control classified and the national security systems uh, type data. So it's a higher level of protection, you know. Now, how you do that, and also allow. So a sorry, lot of the, before yeah, you go ahead, on, Yeah, I just want to make sure I'm clear. So, a lot of your people are using their own devices. 
Sure. But are you saying like next spring we're going to walk that back? We're going to have a different set of yeah, rules? My, yeah, my, my sense is um, is we'll have to. Okay. Now, now, now you, you, you'd want to you'd want to interview you know the uh, some of the folks on on the on the acquisition side at DISA and uh, at the DISA policy level and the DODCIO policy level, and I know Eric, you've got connections with all those folks to really get a ground truth answer on how you how do you rationalize an agile bring your own or choose your own device governance model with a, uh, I'll call it a rigorous IL-5, right, impact level five accreditation uh, type of model. Uh, to me, you know, at, at my sort of low perch out here in the Pacific, those those ideas seem kind of irreconcilable, especially when you yeah. throw in, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, know, it's a hard of, problem. Right, 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 like, so right. the in, intelligence agency is an easy way to look at it in my mind. They've got the most classified of information we have, right? So you can't let people just take that home Mm-hmm. and work with it like we would in the corporate environment, because you're talking people's lives. You're talking, you know, the, the deepest secrets we have in this country, but right. but they can't necessarily go into the office either, Carolyn, to work all the time as we have in the past. So how do you allow for a distributed workforce without opening the floodgates to lack of oversight control or anything else, you know, some level of control you know, those controls have always been based on, on, on physical boundaries, either network, physical yeah. boundaries, guards, gates, shacks, things like that. So how do you, how do you let someone take a top secret document home and work on it? Well, the answer is today. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Unless, unless you got a few stars on your, on your collar, uh, or, or, you know, right. you, you know, you're at that level or, you, you know, you, you have, you have specially assigned housing that has a skiff in it and so forth. So there's accommodation. But even then they yeah. have, they have some controls. And sure. even if the control is we're only going to allow flag rank personnel to take information home or some flag rank personnel, but you know, so the, I use the intelligence community because it's almost binary black and white on and off. You, you're either in the skiff and able to work or you're not. And you're not. When right. we talk DOD, when we talk impact level five, which Dave, keep me clean here. Controlled, unclassified data. Controlled, but unclassified. When we talk impact level six, secret level data. So, you know, classified information. You know, as you go up the control level, the number of controls, the amount of, of sensitivity, the importance of the information loosely corresponds, um, with the, the, the number of restrictions you have. So you've almost got this push pull. How do you let people work on the most classified information when they can't work at home, but they only have to work at home where yeah. they can only work at home? Yeah. And I, I would tough say, by, yeah, it's a tough problem. And, and the, the intelligence community, uh, uh, much more than, than sort of the, I'll call it the Genser DOD community is really having to wrestle with that, with that challenge already today. Um, you know, it, it, it'll be by rare exception and pr- it'll probably be by critical position, by rank, you know, by, by as a mission essential, you know, criteria and so forth that you do those things. And some, some of those things are being done today, um, you know, for the masses, right. For the, for the hundreds of thousands, if, if not the millions of DOD 
personnel, you know, military, civilian, contractor who are kind of in and around organizations like mine. I, I think I think where this is going to take us is honestly, and I've I've posted on on this topic on LinkedIn and so forth. A governed choose your own device. It's going to have budgetary implications in that. How do you provision a guy like me with the right computing environment at work and the right computing environment at home or on the road? How do you encapsulate that in a in a in a enterprise governance structure that's that's light but but reasonably rigorous, right? Um, and then and then how do you manage it in runtime and create some assurances, right? So. You, you guys, you guys have interviewed people a lot smarter than me on zero trust and, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of the emerging um, methods we can use with uh, with wireless networking and so forth for slicing and for unique identity management, uh, unique encryption and control plane, you know, management plane technologies. Those things are all out ahead of us in, in terms of likely investments. And, Creating a lot, lot of opportunity to be agile in the way we govern, you know, these these type of freewheeling enterprises. Um, but we're going to have to get get there kind of one step at a time. You know, uh, by by next summer, when an IL five uh, Microsoft Teams, you know, kind of full featured enterprise across all the combatant commands, all the military departments, and and the Pentagon, Fourth Estate, uh, you know, the Joint uh, Community. Uh, all those tenants are going to have to get stitched together. Uh, we have all spent a year and a half by then, you know, sort of learning our way into this full-featured, always-on collaboration environment. That includes, by the way, sessions like this with folks like you, right, external to the DOD enterprise. So is that the plan or is that your dream? We're going to pause right here, but bring you the rest of our interview with Dave later this week, where he goes into the bring your own device and how he sees it working. So thank you for joining us on To The Point Cybersecurity. Please hit that like button and we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 